Steve Vines. Good morning. Him next door. How are you? Well, I'm all right. I'm, I'm lucky I'm not um, uh, queuing up at the British Consulate for mm. a visa to begin my studies at university. Some may say that's because I'm a bit old for that. but uh, And you couldn't get in. And I couldn't get <laughs> in and don't have the A-levels. But other than that, I would be in that queue. Yeah. But, I mean, what's interesting about this is, I mean, it's clearly a cock-up. I mean, the Brits, bless them, have, have completely lost the plot So there's this. no subterfuge and all well, that. Well, I don't think so. I think what's happening is that um, some brilliant person, and you, you always know that in bureaucracy there's a brilliant person, said, oh, we're going to centralise this process. And that's, in other words, it ain't going to work. But, you know, in the halcyon days when grown-ups run the um, immigration system, they used to say to each consulate or embassy, you know, you, you, you know you've got the staff, you, you go on and issue the visas, or the, you could renew your passports. Oh, it was even embassy. better than that here. We yes. were told, go to counter three and talk to Julie. Yes, well, Julie <laughs> has now been laid off. She's been rationalised. Um, and it's all, um, I think, as far as, it, as passports are concerned, it's all sent to Wales, uh, uh, which I thought had closed, but apparently it's still open. Um, and then, you know, so everything is now sent back to Britain for processing because in the interest of efficiency and cost saving, uh, uh, except for the system doesn't work. Well, I mean, you know, it's Britain. You expect the system not to work, so I'm not complaining about that. But what I find very, very interesting... That's why you can slag off Hong Kong, because we're both Brits, <laughs> yes, and I it's know. worse yes, there. Yes, can I, can I put my hand up and say I, I am indeed originally a Brit, so, um, you know, we're, we're allowed to criticise. In fact, it is the British pastime to criticise one's own country. Yeah. But um, what, what I really find interesting about this is usually when you have a, a, a visa snafu or something of the kind... Um, you know, a lot of brown stuff pours on whichever consulate is responsible for it. But in this case, you've got the chief executive, Carrie Lamb, making statements about it. You've got Matthew Joan, the chief secretary. Well, because they've all had kids who've gone to university yes, in the United States, in uh, England. Oh, I thought they were all patriotic <laughs> and did everything in the motherland. I'm I've, I've so got that wrong. Well, that, that's one explanation, is, you know, here's something that affects the rich and the well-connected. So, you know, they're, they're, they're seriously worried. That's, that's one explanation. Perfectly good one. I think so. Don't, don't put it in the rubbish bin. The other explanation is, is that because, you know, in, in the great new order, Britain has been um, put in the, um, in the doghouse by, by our friends across the border. These are the people who said, for example, that joint declaration is merely a historical document with no relevance anymore. And the Brits what if went... they're right? And, well, well, and the Brits went... Oh, and that was the end of that. Boris Johnson, whose main job as Foreign Secretary is to look after Boris Johnson, didn't really bother to make much of a statement about that. But he did manage to say, I, 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 which uh, translated as, I'm still busy looking after myself. Um, where was I? I'm getting the what's it. So <laughs> what, what I'm thinking is maybe they thought, you know, it doesn't do us any harm to say bad things about the Brits. Because, you know, when, when the boss is up north, are looking down and seeing what's going on here. They probably quite like that. But, I mean, I find it staggering that they are getting involved in this very inconvenient, very Shouldn't stupid... Shouldn't all these students apparently be studying on the mainland anyway? Ah. Shouldn't they? That's ah. what we've been told. Yes, yes. Except for all the rich and powerful people here who are busy waving the flag and, and, and talking about patriotic education and what have you. Who don't want they their kids sullied by they, communism. They, they don't want it for their own children. <laughs> That's for the, the lower orders. Ah, yeah, um, okay. 
And I've met some of those lower orders. You really don't want to have a lot to do with them. I mean, some of them, my God, you won't want to meet them in a dark street. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, I mean, you've got that high level of hypocrisy. I mean, even the biggest flag waver of them all, this previous chief executive who should remain nameless, Lung Chung Ying, of course, he said both of his children off overseas. One, one, In fact, both to Britain, funnily enough, yeah. which was, oh, that's right, where he was educated as well. So um, I love these sort of paper patriots who, 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 who slip into the red flag every time they, they, they feel a song coming on, possibly a national anthem. They better be singing it right. They better be singing it, and I hope they... This they, is going to be such fun. I, I know you talked about it last I week. I know, and I hope they like the tune, which was, of course, written by a Russian. <laughs> they don't mention that. I don't know why. And the bloke... Yeah, the 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 the, the lyrics are, are indeed by a, a Chinese Who got national, up. but but the, well, and died in died in jail. So where's the? I mean, yeah, I know, not. I know. There's no, um, yeah, uh, but um, so all, all I'm saying about this is, yes, there was a cock up. Yes, it's um, something the Brits should be sorting out. But you know, as there's Brexit going on, nothing's being sorted out in Britain whatsoever. Do you? Un- I do you understand? I mean, do you get this? Well, I think Brexit <laughs> is a cliff which a lot of sheep are, are, are waiting to walk off. I mean, what I love is all these people who think it was a great idea. They say, you know, we're going to do a, a trade deal with Japan, Rawr. and it's going to be just as good as the deal the EU is. I'm going. Wait a minute. Hang on. What you're saying is, after all this disruption, you're going to end up with exactly what you've got already. Gosh, that's an achievement. Okay, at so best, we are at best. We're talking about visas for Hong Kong students, etc., mm. and smatterings of Brexit. Because I've I've not talked about this. I do not get this, um, and you do. Don't blame me, Gov. Uh, or, or, I mean, this was you know in the in the great chronicles of acts of folly. Yeah. I have no scintilla of a doubt this is going to be in the top ten. It is so stupid. It is so inexplicably stupid. You know, everything you hear about it doesn't doesn't connect. You know, one minute they're going to say, oh, well, you know, it mean, it's going to mean £350 million per week for the National Health Service. The next week they're going, oh, but we've got to pay the Europeans to leave. Oh, oh, who, <laughs> who knew off. about that? <laughs> Well, Britain had treaty commitments. I mean, unlike what China was, that, that can regard treaties it doesn't like as historical of no relevance. What was it like before? Most countries, you know, think if you've signed a treaty, it's like signing a contract. You've got to adhere to the terms of the contract. I don't know. In, in my life, my working life, I sign a lot of contracts and I find I have to, you know, stick to them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you spent, you spent some of your life living a promise. We're getting back to visas here. Yes. You spent some of your life living pre-Europe. Yes. What I mean, but... Surely it's... Well, I, 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 let me Back to press up. One. I mean, I know this is a long time ago, and some listeners don't even remember that the world existed then, but as you say, I did, I did live in pre-European Union. It was called the European Economic Community Days there. And I campaigned for Britain not to join. Because uh, I that was, thought... That, that was you know, really... That, that was... That was <laughs> It wasn't because I thought, you know, little Britain would, you know, rule the waves. It's just because I thought those ogres in Europe would, um, you know, uh, tell us what to do and mess us around and blah, blah, blah. I I mean, it it didn't pan out like that, and I'm... I'm not deeply proud and it was, of having been on that side of the argument, which, of course, as ever, I'm always on the losing side of the argument because that was the referendum in which Brits voted to join what was the European Economic Community. Was it 1972? 72, something, something like that, 72 or 73, yeah. 
So I'm just curious to see what's going to happen here. So, but I mean, yeah. but, but the point is, Britain's been in the uh, uh, European Union for th- three years, four decades, no, four decades now. Yes. And the lunacy of coming out is by the day becoming evident. I mean, they, they keep saying, oh, there is an easy solution, you know, because there's a land border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. The Republic of Ireland, of course, will remain in the European Union. The Northern Ireland will come out with the rest of the United Kingdom. Oh, that's easily solved. But, well, Move to Dublin. No, no. How is it easily solved? Oh, well, you know, there's all sorts... No, no, no. I know there's all sorts of ways. Just give me one that actually solves this problem. And, I mean, all of these people who, who, who are sitting behind very large desks and have very nice old Etonian ties draped around their necks just have no idea... They are headless chickens. You've got that grinning idiot, David Davis, going up to Brussels. As I know Mr. Barnier, that's the chief European, a very nice man. I, 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 and, you know, Barnier, the, the French negotiator, the clock is ticking. <laughs> I am, I am waiting. Uh, we don't seem to have any concrete uh, agreement. You know, this is this process, which Liam Fox, another of these great minds who's a negotiator, said will be the easiest negotiation in the world. The easiest negotiation in the world. This process has been going on for a year, and the tangible agreed topics are, I think, um, oh, that's right, more or less nothing. More or less nothing. So there's another year to go. The idea that all this will be done and dusted within another year is just ludicrous. So now the, the, the headless chickens are going, oh, well, 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 we said it would take two years. We don't, I don't know why anybody, I, I assume that two years meant two years. I mean, two years is just a number. So uh, we're uh, going to have an interim arrangement. And those Johnny, Johnny foreigners, they better, you know, we, we're, we're very clear on this. I wonder how many people are getting the passports of the nationality of their dads or grandmothers or whatever. A lot. Yeah. Apparently the, 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 um, the Republic of Ireland's <laughs> immigration system is groaning under the weight. Um, I, I have a member of my own family who's just gone off and got another passport on the grounds that she doesn't think that the retention of a, a passport of a small island separated from by a small sea from the rest of Europe is perhaps fit for purpose. So what he's just done there is something very clever. He has explained perfectly why there's such a cock-up with these student visas here. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. As I say, the tension is, is focused elsewhere at the moment, and yeah. uh, good luck to them. I, but, you know, I, and, and I love... The, the Brits put out a statement yesterday which essentially blamed the students... For this cock-up. Because they said, oh, you know, if they're going to study in England, they, they really should have implied, applied in time. And you're thinking, hmm, yeah, that's a, that's a good line. I like that one. You don't think there's any notion of, oh, we'll just play them around a bit? No, I don't. Okay. I think it's a Because that has been said. Because my, 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 my view is if there's a possibility of a cock-up, it's always better to um, select as the... Um, as the answer to the problem, the obvious, yeah, <laughs> the obvious answer, rather than the more complex and devious one. Occam's razor. Yes, I don't think they're that devious in the British consulate, but mm-hmm. somebody can correct me if they happen well, good to. Good luck, be guys. Hope you sitting get, there, hope you get yourself sorted out. I do. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Mm. And I do feel sorry. I mean, you know, these are young kids starting out. Presumably, they're no, starting really, out. I, Otherwise, I do they mean it. I'm like, visa. good luck. I hope you get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're missing the first um, pretty crucial. 
um, weeks of their new life yeah, at university. Yeah, those booze-ups, they only happen in the first yeah, week. Yeah, I, I worry about Hong Kong students because they don't seem to go to the booze-ups, which, which is a worry. Yeah. And, you know, how they're going to learn that culture without a visa, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> All right, we shall see. If you want to get in touch, drop us a line. Morningbrew at rthk.hk. Well, just, just I know we've got a break coming up, so very, very quickly, can I just mention something which is closely connected to the visa issue, mm. which is an email I got from Sorry. a new bottle shop, which apparently says, and I quote it exactly, it's going to be selling fresh, orgasmic yeah. bottles. Fair enough. And their slogan is, wines with a pulse, dare to disrupt. Now, I only mention this... Oh, I smell an agency here. Uh, yeah, exactly. I only mention this because we all get endless amounts of the brown stuff. It used to come through the door. It now comes through the email. But, I mean, who actually sat down and, and decided it would be a great idea to open up a bottle shop or an off-licence, as perhaps they used to be called? Um, they were never called that in Hong Kong, but never mind. Um, Selling fresh orgasmic yeah. bottles. They want to I mean, encourage groups to buy stuff from them. They just write, come together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. It's a, it's, a, it's a punny day today, isn't it? <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know... Where is I mean, it, by the way? You might as well tell I, us. I, I, I actually have no idea. I just wrote down the slogan because I thought it was... I mean, I just thought, of course I'm not going to go to a shop run by a bunch of Lulus who send out adverts saying this sort of thing. Can you, but, can you buy special brew there? That's the important yeah, question. Yes. And, you know, are the promised orgasms in fact going to happen when you have the wine i don't know i mean it's an interesting question um all i can say is from my experience it doesn't quite work like that but hey yeah, uh, what is, do i know yeah. limited I've, I've led a very sheltered life maybe maybe there's things going on in the world of wine that are so far above my pay grade that i really need to you know catch up on them this is something we should talk about one day the whole you know it, it turns up in the news programs this um sales marketing calls and emails oh. and stuff like this i mean honestly um, the rules. What? What? I don't understand why they're allowed in the first place. To be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. <laughs> Another know. I day. Mean, to, to, to be fair about um, emails, you can just. In fact, I was going to just put this in the trash bin of my uh, no, brought- very fine computer. But but I sort of I thought no, surely. Have I? Because re- uh, it's not a typo. I actually thought that it was saying something else. And I thought, no, I'd better read that again. <laughs> uh, just check what it's saying, because it's so bizarre and so stupid. And what worries me is precisely what you said is, you know, this was thought up by an agency. That means people gathered together in a room. And they used lots of words with many syllables yes. and sumptuous and, and, and drizzling and, 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 and stuff. Uh, they probably had a whiteboard up there. Yeah. And, and you know, they're going to get, they go, oh, my God, this is so real. This Experiential. Is so, this, this is so now. It's yeah. so urban. No, it's an off-licence, mate. Yeah. It's that yeah, simple. It sells wine. All right, we'll be back after Radio 3 for a Thursday, still in with Steve Vines. Well, true love is hard to find, ain't that a fact? Yes. <laughs> I know lots of platitudes, and in fact, I was listening to some this week. Oh, yeah. Because they, you, you know they've started this new committee for the destruction of the country parks. No, I yes. It's called something else. I think it's called something about finding land for housing. But um, listening to Carrie Lamb announcing, they had the first meeting this week, and Carrie Lamb said, you know, this is really awful. We've got to do something task about force, it. By the way, that's what ta- you was oh, a task force. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I so, so missed that up. Um, and then she, she, she sort of said, you know, I mean, we've really got to... Housing is really important. I thought, gosh, I had no idea. No idea whatsoever. She says, intolerable that people are living in these, these confined um, conditions. She, and she spoke movingly of the fact that, 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 that she, as a young child, did not come from a privileged background. That, 
that is indeed true, and that she remembers as a, as a school child sitting on a bunk bed trying to do her homework. All of this is true. Bloody luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bed. <laughs> floor. <laughs> floor, yeah. Pen. Um, but, um, but, but seriously, though, but seriously, though, I mean, housing in Hong Kong is a disgrace. But, I mean, they all do it. Carrie did it. Um, her predecessor did it. Um, her, her predecessor's predecessor did it. They keep talking about this as though it's somehow an act of God. You know, the fact that there is a failure to give m- the majority of people in Hong Kong decent housing is is seen as uh, some remarkable some sort of ethereal um, result of goodness knows what. Actually, it's a result of government policy. And Carrie herself has been in the government for a while. Uh, Lan Chung Ying uh, was not only in government, he was on the executive council. You know, all of these people could have done something to fix it. So, Yet again, we're going to have another committee, another task force, possibly a task force's task force, possibly a public consultation. I love a public consultation. Let's join hands together and consult. And what they've come up with, to be fair, because they've only just started, is nothing. But what Carrie illustrated as being the priorities, she says, you know, why can't we give more serious consideration to development of the country parks oh and filling in the harbour and then as number three in her list of things that possibly you could give consideration to is the obvious one which is looking at the brownfield site she didn't call them that um that, that actually contain a lot of undeveloped land why don't they focus in on the obvious solution to an obvious problem because of the power of people like the Hong Yi Cook who are holding out for ludicrous sums of money to to release um, these sites for development. And the well, government not stupid, will, not, will not challenge them. <laughs> they they go, no, let's go to the soft targets. I've seen a tree, let's knock it down, we'll, we'll build a house there. So, you know, it's not as though... And, and this is something that Carrie Lam herself pointed out yesterday. It's not as though there isn't land in Hong Kong. It's a question of resources and allocation. And the determination of the government to actually, you know, pull the digit out right. and do something about it. Let me ask you a daft question here. What on earth, We've heard about this many, many, many times. Many times. What on earth has the Hongi Cook got on these guys, <laughs> to put it simply? Oh, I think it's... Uh, I'll put it as simply as you can, is good relations with the bosses. So what they're basically going, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're not nice to us, we'll go and tell, we'll go and tell the teacher in Beijing and they'll be very, very stern with you. And they're going, oh, teacher in Beijing, well, teacher. Well, one of the reasons, the historic reasons why the cook has such good relations with Beijing is they, it, because they're a shrewd bunch, you mustn't, you mustn't underestimate They've them. all got success Particularly perms, under, they? They, they have, and they've got gloriously black hair at the age of 80. But, you know, one of the, um, one of the very shrewd things that, that the late uh, La Wang Fat who was the leader of the cook, and by staggering coincidence, his son's now the leader, I'm sure that was the result of an election, um, decided was early on in the process of negotiations between Britain and, and um, China mm. for the handover of Hong Kong, they very early on went over to the winning side. And Beijing doesn't forget that sort of thing. So they quite like the idea of having the cook you know, going up there and going, yes, 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 good idea. Let's get rid of these ghastly Brits, uh, colonial oppressors. Uh, we, 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 we're, we're waiting to be reunified with the motherland. Wasn't it the Brits who invented this house thing? Yes. Well, Just you saying. see, the, the point is that the, the Brits were terrified 
that the cook would organise resistance and, and uprisings in the rural areas because they, they have a network, there's no doubt about that and they can organise as we've seen we've seen it in, in, in recent years it's not a, it's not a theory so the, the Brits were thought oh for a quiet life we'll shut them all up and we'll, we'll, we'll dole out land to the so called indigenous residents of Hong Kong and, and just in case anybody's worried about that we'll give, it, we'll give them plots of property for nothing as you know, in Hong Kong, property isn't worth a penny. So, uh, tell me, tell me about the indigenous thing. So, if somebody was born and bred in, I don't know, North Point, doesn't that make them indigenous? An interesting. Try point. and build a village an house there. An interesting point. Well, well, I mean, you know, the the fact of the matter is that some of the oldest communities in Hong Kong are, are, are fishing, fishing communities in places like, you know. Why, why is Aberdeen in Chinese called Hong Kong Thai? You know, because it's little Hong Kong. You know, these are very old areas of settlement. So those people, are they entitled to it? I don't know. Indigenous means that, doesn't it? Well, I would have thought so. And anyway, what is this nonsense about indigenous? You know, I mean, the idea that you can be indigenous Hong Konger living in Coventry, which literally is what happens because a lot of these people don't live in Hong Kong anymore mm. and they're entitled to a piece of property. I mean, this is all nonsense. The system has clearly not been used for its purpose, which was to rehouse indigenous villages because most of those plots of land have been resold again. So they're, 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 yeah. Well, I know, but it, it's worth saying it in case anybody has lost the, you know, lost the plot. Right. Uh, let's do some punter on the street gossip. Word is there's tons of empty flats and stuff here bought by mainland people and not lived in. I've just got an email here from Colin who says, what about the tens of thousands of empty flats, hello, being hoarded by developers and investors? He said this needs to be addressed. It's actually quite noticeable. It is noticeable. I mean, if you look at the black um, at night, the black areas of big housing blocks, that tells you there ain't no one living there. There's that. But I still think, you know, I mean, that would involve repossession. Excuse me. That's technically called a sneeze. I'm very sorry about that. I got to the switch just in time. And I I apologise. Go on. It won't happen again. Oh, I'm sure it will. Not on on live radio, anyway. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a complicated repossession exercise of going into individual flats and saying, if you're not living in them, we'll have them. But there's loads of them. But there's loads of them. And why are there loads of them? Because property has become a commodity, not a place to house people. Why is it a commodity? Because of the way that the government because doles of out the land. <laughs> because well, of the handover. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, everything. Uh, we, we blame the Brits. That's always a good idea. No, it's all the Brits' fault. But aside from it all being the Brits' fault, and it is indeed very largely the Brits' fault, so this, in this one instance, it's the way that the government has handled land disposals to make sure that there's a tiny... Uh, monopoly or cartel of big property developers who basically yeah. do all the property development in Hong Kong, squeeze everybody else out, can more or less dictate the prices. I mean, it's an old, old story. Right, Colin, I'll tell you what, if you've got an idea what could be done about it, we're all ears. Just saying. Um, thanks for your first email, though. Go on. But I do think that, that, that you know, I mean, they, they can have all the task forces and committees they like, and no doubt they will. But, you know, why not just go to the source of the problem? Get bits of ugly, unused brownfield sites working for the community. And again... Well, they are. They're dodgy they're, car parks. Yeah, they're dodgy. Well, some of them are container, container storage, let's, okay. let's be fair. And some of them are absolutely nothing. But, I mean, again, it's the bureaucrats' mindset. They go, oh, but there's so many of them. 
Well, you don't have to have every development as a big estate. What's wrong with having small individual developments all over the place? You don't have to have every new public housing development containing 39 very ugly-looking blocks. You could have two ugly-looking blocks. So, you know... I mean, again, it's the bureaucrats always want to do everything on a big scale. They always want to consolidate it. And they always want to do what is the least line of resistance at the moment. In their view, the least line of resistance is to start intruding on the country parks. Tell me this, is there a page that not everybody's quite on here? Because the last paragraph of our news bit on this is Lamb has also said that the SAR should consider land reclamation, developing country park fringes and rural areas in the new territories. But... Uh, Stanley Wong stressed that the CE's suggestions won't automatically carry more weight and the panel wants to hear from everyone, which it probably means it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, dream on. Uh, honestly, are, I they mean, not, are they not if, quite? If, they not well, quite? I don't know. I mean, this, this is the usual blah, blah, blah. They're starting out their work. They're saying they're being very open-minded, considering all options, and we are absolutely determined to do... Oh, that's right, nothing. Yes, with a big zero. Time for one more. Uh, well, Ferris wheels, you know. It's been on my mind. It's the new currency. It's the new currency. It's going around, you know. So, or rather, it's not. Yes. What, what goes up doesn't go down. So, here you go. You've, you've got a bonkers system with, with the government saying, oh, we've got, you know, yeah, we're private sector, they're the people who can develop uh, Hong Kong's tourism industry. They're probably not wrong about that. So, they do a tender. They get a big company in who's really experienced, really experienced in building Ferris wheels. God, guess what? They build a Ferris wheel and then they go, all right, thank you for that. We've now got, after three years, because of our bonkers tendering system, we've now got another bunch of likely lads. They've never built a Ferris wheel in their lives. They're not quite sure how to make it go round, round and round. But, but here's the thing. They're offering us more money for the land and they're offering cheaper rides because that apparently um, they're going to offer rides as cheap as $20. I'll believe that when I see it. It was a one-up to get on there before, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. exactly. So that's, that's, that's a fifth of the current price. OK, whatever. So, you know, if you're a bureaucrat, you go, oh, that's fine, that's great. They don't bother to say, well, you know, can these people actually build a Ferris wheel? Have they ever done any of that stuff before? No, 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 they don't worry about that. Because on paper, and on paper is what counts, we like the look of that. They get to, apparently this decision was, was, has been reached something like six months ago, correct me if I'm wrong, it's some while ago, and they, at the last minute, the last minute, the new uh, owners and the, or uh, the new tender winners and the previous operators of this site managed to reach an agreement for handover of the existing Ferris wheel. I mean, you know, what a way to run a monkey show. Why not say, this is... A major tourist attraction, which I'm told it is. Personally, I don't see it. But, you know, if it is, it is. Um, we, we regard it as an asset for Hong Kong. Let's not just get a whole bunch of idiot bureaucrats together to see who can screw the most money out of the operator. Let's see how we can make this work for Hong Kong. And making it work for Hong Kong doesn't mean pushing more money into the already overfilling government coffers. It's to find a sustainable attractive tourist attraction on the waterfront because god help us there's very little else on the waterfront that's grass, most attractive grass <laughs> grass oh, i don't think so I don't, don't think i don't think that's going to sell i don't know it's you saw I, I haven't actually i do have another idea for that site and this is thinking out of the box go on then it's a shopping mall <laughs> 